Uh, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Landscurve. Do know that we have our site, landscurve.com. If you don't see me anymore on social media because of the censorship and the shadow banning and all the underhanded things that we have happened in these dark streets of social media, you can always find the content on Landscurve. Always, landscurve.com. 23 years. When February comes, it'll be 23 years we've been in the business. This is something that we do. We're built for this. Anyway, we speak about relationships all the time here on the channel. And I have to say that it was in a very long conversation that wasn't long. It went by like it was five minutes. And it was a very good conversation. And, uh, and if in Shaka, how are you? Welcome on in. Good to see you. Conversations like that are so wonderful when you have intelligent people engaging who are of the same mind. Renee Green, welcome home. Welcome back. After a certain point, when I zone out and start talking, I probably won't look at the chat room. So you all know that I'm not ignoring anybody. But I was having another conversation. Welcome, Gift Gifty. Welcome, welcome, welcome home. And in that conversation, we were speaking about marriage and how the divorce rates have skyrocketed, how people get married and you give it a year, <laughs> if that much, and they're going through a divorce. And I said, wait a second. How is it that back in the day, meaning yesteryear, even before I was born and on this earth, marriages lasted. You had some parting, partings of ways, but for the most part, marriages lasted. And yes, it wasn't easy. A lot had to be tolerated. There was a lot of compromise. But when you got married, you knew that this was till death do you part. Why is it? that many of us can say those words knowing that we have the business card of a good divorce lawyer in our wallet or in our pocketbook. So if you're not really ready to make the leap, why are you doing this? Well, marriage these days, from what I can see, is viewed as something different than it was viewed years ago. Looking back, when you usually got married, unless you went to war and met someone in another country, you usually married someone in your inner circle. Not the tight inner circle, but it was usually someone who introduced the both of you or you lived in the same community. Or if you went to college, you went to school, you went to a different state, 
Maybe. But usually, it was someone who you can pretty much, within an hour, walk to their home. If you came from a different country and you were married to someone, say, for example, you came from the Caribbean, it was usually in that same area that you married someone because there was so much in common already built in. You had the same basic background, customs, culture, that didn't have to be questioned. You spoke the same language. Of course, if you spoke English, you spoke the same language, but there's another language that we speak to each other, the way we look, the expressions on our face. We can read them. We come from the same culture. But as time went on, things opened up. It was easier to travel. And in the modern day, now, you can communicate with someone in a different country. You can be in America and communicate with someone in a different state. Not that you couldn't do that before. But now it's so much easier to meet someone and travel to where they are or they travel to where you are and you try to make this relationship work. And it's not to say that it wouldn't work. But you don't have the advantages of the old school way of growing up in the same community for the most part. And people still do that. Just give me a moment while I untangle my headphones from this microphone wire. And I don't know how it got that way, but it's tugging on my head. <laughs> And I want to straighten it out. Thank you so much. But now you can get with anybody just about. And now it's a whole different ball game. We live in the microwave generation. We can text with each other. We can FaceTime with each other. You know? Everything moves fast. And it's so easy to be distracted when you are into someone and you see the next person. And then we have the whole materialism thing going on. Oh, he has a big mansion. He has money. Well, it's natural for a woman to want to be secured. But now she doesn't want to build with anyone. And I'm not blaming women. I'm just going through it because I'm going to say things about men too. She wants it immediately. We can't wait. We can't be patient. We can't build together. The men who have the money and some who don't, they want to run through different women to try it out to see if they like it. Not even concerning themselves with the integrity of that woman. Not even thinking, is this a good mother for the children we're going to have? So, it's really a superficial thing right now. It's not the old school 
died in the wool, I'm in, ride or die, like it used to be. Where are the people today, say, for example, who are married in, in their early 30s, who are going to be that couple that's interviewed in that Jet magazine 60 years from now, in their 90s, giving advice to those who are younger as to the secret of a happy, long marriage. Happy? It doesn't mean it's going to be blissful 24-7, they will say. You're going to have to compromise. You're going to have to know when to shut your mouth. You're going to have to learn when to speak. But most of these couples that we see in the Jet magazine that are in their 90s and been married for 60 and 70 years, oftentimes from high school, could you imagine? And you see the old man, like I always like to say, he shrunk a little bit. And the belt that he wore around his waistline is now an inch below his nipples. <laughs> He's being swallowed up by his pants. But you know what? After all those decades of marriage, the wife doesn't see him any different than that young, strong man. Her protector. She doesn't see him any different now that either he walks with a cane or is in a wheelchair. That's her man. She never disrespected him and she always looked up to him. And he will tell you, I've known a lot of beautiful women in my lifetime, but it never crossed my mind to even think about going with any of them. And you know what he meant. He didn't have to say the graphic thing. Going with, back in the day, meant a whole lot. It's just like when a young lady would say to a man, you know you're a handsome young man. You say that, guys brush you off. But back in that day, it meant she was extremely interested because women didn't really say things to men like that. But it's a different era now. Everything is so fast. Everything is so superficial. Everything is driven by some spirit, something that's not wholesome. We don't think of the future. The future is now. Tomorrow's another day. I might feel different. We change marriage partners like we change clothes. Sometimes we change the marriage partner more than we change our clothes, unfortunately. And so now many people do not want to get married. And the guys say, well, you know what? If I get married to her, she's going to take half. And the woman says, well, if he wants this, meaning her intimacies on the physical level, he's got to pay. So it becomes a game of, I'm going to get you before you get me. How do you live like this? How do you get with somebody and not give your all? How do you marry somebody and get them trapped? In your real agenda, both of you, sometimes we're immature and we go on emotion. 
And we think because of the way we feel in our heart and in our head that we can do death until death do you part. And some people we find out are in love with being in love. You meet somebody today, oh, I'm so much in love. I want to love them. I want to be with them forever. And the next month is someone else. You have to be careful of these types because it's not the person they fall in love with. It's the euphoric feeling that they feel in their brain. They feel high like it's a drug. And they will promise them the world while they're with them. I love you forever. I'll be with you. I want to have your baby. And the men say the same things. I want you to have my baby. I'm going to love you and be faithful to you and never cheat on you and never hurt you. And the very things you said last week that you wouldn't do, you did them all within two days. You got on Facebook and you saw that backside on that new woman. So, God, I know I'm married, but I got to have that. You click on it and you start with your lies. So it seems as though these days, the conventional way of marriage is not working. Or is it? Or have we changed? I understand that we have changed. But we can't change something like this. We have so many people who try to redefine what unions are to fit ourselves in our lusts. Well, I'm going to move to another country and get into poly so I can have more than one woman. But why do you have to move to another country? You're already damn doing it. You just want to do it all out in the open. But you're already doing it. Many men, I'm not going to say most. No, I'm not going to do that. We don't know the percentages. Folks are creeping hard. If you think not, go to the health clinic and look to see who is trying to get in there when most people have left 10 minutes before it closes down. That's time to go when you want somebody to find out your business. But if you go early in the morning and you got to wait, you might run into some people who you've dealt with. There's a whole lot of that going on. But we can't face ourselves. We can't deal with how much we lie to the other person and to ourselves and what the real reason is. You see men who see women who have money and they're set. Young guys looking for older women who are set in life. Maybe their husband died and they're left alone and they're lonely and vulnerable. And here you go charming this woman. You're 28 years old. You know she's 65. Why are you doing that, man? Why are you gassing her up? But we know why. We see you next week driving her luxury car with another young girl in there. And the games go on and on. So I don't blame people who say, I don't want to get married. And, and I don't think I can do that. Well, of course, you don't think you can do that the way it has been presented all the time. So your old brother Scurve came up with a way just to have a discussion. That's why I named this an unconventional approach to marriage. And it's nothing weird. I haven't written it down. I wrote some things on my site with this particular post. But I'm going to share it this way. 
We're all in a state of healing. We all have been through some trauma, some more than others. Always respect someone who says they're not ready for marriage, especially when it's been the traditional way that's presented to them. Because really and truly, when you marry someone, and I'm not saying people are in a bad situation, but I want to paint a picture. I want to paint a picture with negatives. And I'm not negative. I'm not trying to stop anybody from doing what they feel to do. But I think we don't prepare enough. So like I was saying, and again, I'm going to paint the picture to prove a point. You know when you marry somebody, you join on to their bad credit. You know when you marry somebody, you attach yourself to those disrespectful stepkids of, of yours. You know when you marry somebody that their trauma becomes your trauma. And if you haven't dealt with your trauma and dealt with that completely, now you have added on more trauma. Their hang-ups and their idiosyncrasies become yours just as yours and all those categories become theirs. But we don't think about that when we're holding hands and she's looking so pretty and he's looking so handsome. And you yearn for affection to fill the voids that are inside of you. And it's intoxicating because it becomes an escape. The release of dopamine when you kiss, when you hug. And don't even dip your finger in the honey pot and end up making love. It's a wrap. You don't want to think about sitting down and talking because it's a long conversation that's going to take not only days but weeks and months. And then you have the addendums that you have to keep talking about over the years. Now you see why. We're not going to have many people from the present day be that couple that's going to be in Jet Magazine after so many decades of marriage. And they always show the picture of when they first got married at 22 years old. Young, youthful, the energy and life force in their eyes. And you see them now, much older, of course. They don't look like they used to, but they have each other. They have each other. But they don't understand most people today, how serious it is. Welcome, Kwame, Brother Kwame. Brother Kwame says marriage is not a joke. It's serious stuff. It is because it's a joining of two people. It's not just a ring. It's not just a big wedding with a nice limousine and all of the other women wanting to be married and this is your special day. Well, if this is real, it shouldn't need all the fanfare. But marriage, and here I go with one of my weird analogies, it's like the digestive system. When you get married, you don't mind doing it in front of everybody. You have the big wedding and all the fanfare, just like a good meal at the restaurant in front of all your friends. You're enjoying the food, 
publicly. But when that divorce comes, you don't celebrate that. When that divorce comes, you don't put that out in public. Well, why does that say marriage is like the digestive system? Well, you're so public when you're eating the food. But when it comes out, you want to hide. You want privacy. You don't want anybody to know. You're taking a dump or you're getting divorced. It's something you don't want out there. Because oftentimes when the true facts come out of what has been digested in that marriage, just like doing a number two, it stinks. It's embarrassing if someone sees. So what do we do? What do I think is wrong personally with how things are done? We've got to take it slower. You got to take it slower. You have to be transparent. We have to go back to the original system, but most people are not going to want to do that. You had dating. Here I go again with this song. I'm going to tell you all again. You had dating. You had courting. You had engagement. And then you had marriage. Now, you have, I met you in the club. We got engaged for a week. And by the next weekend, we are married. Ain't that something? You don't even know this person. You see them. And just because you enjoy the intimacies of their shared orifices and crotch sauce doesn't mean you know the person. Just because you got freaky for a night with the person and swallowed what you had to swallow, didn't even burp, unprotected, out of your mind, driven by lust, and you try to tack the love word on top of that. I love you, baby. Because she made you feel good. Do you love her when she puts on 60 pounds? Do you love her when she presents to you her debts that you have to pay now as a couple? Do you love her when you find out that she's sick? And it's going to cost you a lot of money to pay for her treatments. Is it appealing then? It shouldn't be a turn off because you said, till death do you part. So until death comes, you should welcome everything of responsibility that comes with the pleasure you receive. But now the pleasure doesn't seem so good anymore because there's so much more. You're top-heavy with responsibility, and the pleasure just doesn't happen as much as it used to, and it's not the same. Because, see, you thought you were getting something free. There was no responsibility in that time. It's like a disrespectful child who's disrespectful to the mother and the father, not knowing what the mother and father is doing for them in life but they quickly realize when they go out on their own how much they had it good. But you can't tell nothing then because they don't know about life. That's the honest to God truth. So this is what I feel. On top of dating and courting and being engaged in marriage, we need to take a long time to communicate with each other 
what we bring to the table and why it would be beneficial for you to be married to me. See, most often we're looking at what we can get. We're not looking on what we can enhance the other person's life with. And if you're not ready to take care of all of the needs of that potential mate, and I mean take care of all of the needs, I'm not hinting at sex, I'm talking about everything, you are still an individual. And you must still take care of yourself as an individual. You must never give yourself to the point where you lose yourself. And this is what happens oftentimes in relationships and especially marriages. If you're a man, a real man, not a male, but a real man, you want to make sure that your mate, who is either your wife now because you already got married or your potential wife, you want to make sure that she maintains that sense of individuality, the hobbies that she has, whether it could be considered a hobby or not. But whatever brings her joy before she met you, she needs to continue to do. Now, there will be times when one or both of you have to sometimes work a little overtime, maybe you're under the weather, and those are the times when you don't really get into the things that you like because you have to save your energy for other more important things because those are the first things to go. But you should never lose yourself in a marriage and forget who you are. So this is why therapy is necessary in my book before you even get hitched. Because if you keep sweeping the dust under the rug, that doesn't make it go away. It's going to sit there and wait for you until you deal with it. The issue is in this modern day is that most of us don't want to deal with it. And I've said this before. Imagine the most perfect person physically that you find appealing rings your doorbell and they tell you this is all fantasy I'm making this up to prove a point Joe you know how I talk they tell you I am Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright or Miss Wright you can't be Mrs. Wright married to somebody else mm -hmm. forgive me and I'm coming into your life and you need to let me in right now because God sent me. Now, you know how many fools would fall for that. We understand that. But even when you deem this person who didn't ring your bell, who you met, and you check them out in so many different categories, you, you check them out in the background, everything, everything seems perfect. They've been out there last relationship a couple years ago and haven't been with anybody. How you prove that, I don't know, but you took them for face value. Imagine 10 years later or even five years later, what you really discover about them with their traumas and how they react to the traumas that they have. I'm not going to blame anybody for have gone through trauma. What I'll blame you for is not making an attempt 
to heal. Healing is paramount. It's necessary. It's mandatory. I'll also say you don't have to wait until you're completely healed before you make the step in marriage. Because we might be waiting until we're 99 years old, and a lot of us are not going to get to that point in that chronological age. The other person has to be willing to help you, but you have to identify what it is. So say when you meet that person, and they told you little things about themselves, and they told you they're being very honest, and maybe they weren't. They told you about two things in their past that were traumatic. They got a couple hangouts and they didn't tell you anything. So let's just represent each bit of trauma unhealed and then no attempt to heal, which will be a problem later on. A big hefty bag full of that particular type of trauma. And they got two. So they're coming into your life with two bags full of trauma that you got to deal with that they should have been dealing with, even if they're not healed from it completely, they're working on it. I'll accept that. But they don't want to work on it. But to make matters worse, you look behind them, there's about 57 bags behind them. Like, wh what is that? Surely that can't belong to you. You told me about the two bags of trauma that you have. And you said that was it. But now I see 57 more bags, which means you have 59 bags, and that's all trauma? People can be so deceptive. And now you're stuck with this individual who refuses to deal with past traumas, which now is your debt, which prevents you from having a proper union, a balanced union, a blissful union. Even when you have disagreements, you know that person's going to be there. That's something that undergirds your heart. But if every time you meet somebody, you think they're the right one, and you realize that you're going to have to babysit somebody else's trauma or somebody else's dysfunctional family, you will say to yourself, this is not worth it. You'll find sometime when you deal with that person's dysfunctional family, that many of their ideas in your marriage is influenced by others who you never took a vow with. This is why you have to be very careful when you have blended families. Because here you are, and I'm speaking as a man, but you can interchange it as always as a woman to a man. I don't know about any other kind of union. I ain't into that. But the bottom line is, you laying in your bed next to the one that you took vows with. But they're like a remote control robot because whatever the in-laws say goes. And they got more control in your household, even if they live hundreds of miles away. They snap their finger because they have a connection to the one that you married. More so than you. Where does that leave you? You were outsider. You were placeholder. You were just another income brought into some situation 
where everybody's benefiting from that over you. The phone rings, they jump. Baby, I'll be back. I got to go. I got to deal with my family. What's the problem? Usually it's something they can handle. So you got to know what you're marrying into when you get married because years can go by and things don't change no matter how much you complain because of those 57 bags that were behind them with the two they carried into the relationship. Ain't that a damn for better or for worse. And they knew it was going to be worse. And here you are thinking it was going to be better. And you bring back the years. You can't. So you better take your time before you sign on a dotted line. A ring can always be returned and sold off. But the time invested in this other person who never wanted to clean their act up and be honest with you. You just have to count your losses. So the scars remain. And I can say all this in a glorified way. In a very rosy way. A very sunny day way. I have no resentments. All I'm saying is that in 2023 and even for the last couple of decades, divorce has been just a matter of time when you see people get married. Some people saying, some of the older folks say, hey, I wonder how long this one going to last. Hey, I love the wedding cake over there. It's tasting pretty good, but uh, I think they'll be divorced before that wedding cake is even finished. And that's a damn shame. What do I think for those who have no clue? Well, I think that this is something that we need to ease into. I'm not going to say like other people, maybe y'all should live together first and try it out. No, that doesn't really work out. You'll live together and there'll be no marriage because you break up or you get used to it and don't make the move. This is what I think. You don't have to go to a church. You don't have to even get a ring. If this is a commitment between two people, why does the government have to be involved? You got to pay to get married. You got to pay to get out of it. Now, I'm not knocking anybody who already is. But maybe we can value the next person when we know that they can just walk away easily. Say you make this commitment. If you want to have a ceremony, you do. But keep the pressure of the government out of it. You get a place together. It doesn't mean you're going to change your lives as of yet. Because one minute you're married, or one minute you're not married, and then you're married, all of a sudden you're living in this new place. You might have sampled the goods before you got married, but you got it all the time now. You have these new bills. All of this is new, and it's a shock. Why can't you have a commitment even before you get a place together, and you have a commitment? You live in one place. I live in another. 
You can have keys to my place, and I can have keys to your place. Does it mean we're shacking up? No. We're not even thinking about sex, and it should be kept out of it. I'm not saying shack up and have sex. No. I'm talking about getting to know the person. But take your time to get to know them on an intimate level. I don't mean intimate sex. I mean intimate level. Ain't nothing wrong with laying down in the bed and hugging. Ain't nothing wrong with sleeping with the person if that's all you're doing is sleeping. But we know. She's laying facing the way and something's poking her on the backside. And that's all she wrote. But this gets in the way of getting to know that person because that's going to be there. If you really, really want to be in your 90s and say to the world we've been married for 70 some odd years, you got time. If you have full reign at my place, and I have full reign at your place, but I'm respectful of your distance and your time alone. And we've been together for a good long while, and we know each other really well now. We sat down and talk about the things that piss us off, and we talk about the things that we will not tolerate, and we talk about our needs, what we need in this relationship, for this relationship to work, and we're all different. It's not a generic one-size-fits-all type situation. That's the problem because we go on this TV show movie script of it has to be this way. You going home to hell as soon as you realize something, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) I ain't no rapper. And you have these expectations And that's the worst setup in the whole world, to have these expectations. Why can't we communicate with each other what we need? Why are we holding back? Oh, it's all right. It's okay. It'll work out. No, it won't. That's like me going to a construction site. We have somebody who's putting up millions of dollars to build us a, a, a high rise. And they say, well, can I see the plans? And you go, oh, it's okay. It's all right. It'll be done. No. When are you starting? How much is it going to cost for the plumbing? How much is it going to cost for the elect- electricity and the wiring? How much is it going to cost for the building permits? Be specific. But when we as men see how good that ass look, we don't want to talk. We're going to jump in. Same with the ladies. For whatever reason, that bank account looks good. I'm not saying women are gold diggers, but they have it in their nature to be secured. When you make love with the lights out, you want it to be by choice, not because you didn't pay the bill. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. But in this modern day, things move so fast. And we don't care to dig deep. You can't build a building 100 stories high and and the foundation is only two feet deep. 
that building's going to fall over because the foundation is shallow. So say now you decide to go together and get your own place. You're not having sex, number one. I'm telling you, this is, this is, this is important in what I'm trying to suggest. Because I've thought this up. I'm not going to mess up and say, I'll bend a little bit. If you're at that point where you can't control yourself, you don't need to be getting together this way. No way. You must have discipline because you're setting the foundation for the rest of your life. But the government is not involved. You made a commitment to this person. You've been completely transparent as to your credit situation. Unfortunately, we don't live in a layaway kind of way no more. Many of you don't know what that is. Used to be when you wanted something at the department store. We didn't have credit cards back in the day like that. Not everybody. But you had the layaway plan. If something costs $1,200, let's just round it off to make it simple. And you wanted to take a year to pay it off? You just came to that department store and give them $100 a month until it's paid up. And when it's paid up, you get the item. Layaway. They don't do that anymore. That was really cool for people who couldn't afford certain things that they wanted, and they paid on time. So we have to take time before we get to the next level. But we want the dessert before we even eat the meal. So now... To maintain your sense of individuality and you have one roof over your head, meaning an apartment or a condo or a house that you bought 50-50 as business partners, so you have the protection of starting a business because this union is also a business. All that rosy, it's going to be all right, Love, love will make it right. No, it won't. You got to know when you're entering in this thing, you are protected. Lots of times we feel, you know, I'm going to insult my wife if I have a sign of prenup. Well, make it where, hey, after 10 years of marriage, it's all one thing. If you bring in so much into it, you think that, and if you think that she's a certain way, then you don't need to be getting with her anyway. You understand what I'm saying with this? If you think that she's going to gank you for your money, don't get involved at all. Let her prove herself. Let him prove himself because there's a lot of men out there looking to use women. Yeah, man, she's getting a pretty paycheck, man. I don't mind getting with her because, you know, she's always working, so I got that side chick anyway. It won't work. So now you're under the same roof. Here's the weird stuff I was thinking. You're going to think I'm weird. It ain't weird. Makes sense. Say now you're in this committed relationship and you're not married. Let's take these headphones off. This cord is too short. Hold on a second. I want to move around here. We're going to get down up in it now. Get down on it. Get down on it. <laughs> what you want to do? Do you want to get down? Doom, doom, doom. Hold on. This thing is tangled again. Hold on a second. Oof. These cords have a life of their own. What's wrong with you, boy? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Ooh, I can sit down the way I want. Mm-mm-mm. If you only knew. Let's say it this way. 
say you get an apartment or you have a house, right? It's a business deal between the both of you. So you have the protection. And in this house, you have your bedroom. But you do a little renovation. You're still getting to know each other somewhat, but you know each other really well because you've committed and you definitely have put everything on the table. Everything. Everything. Not holding back. This is the problem. You never tell everything. I'm not saying to never tell everything. I'm saying you never tell everything, and that's wrong. You need to put it all out on the table so there's no surprises. You have this bedroom. You should have a room next to that bedroom. And on the other side of that bedroom, you should have another bedroom. Why do you got three bedrooms next to each other? Probably with a bath between it. So that you have the bedroom that you both share together. And you have the other room that's hers. And you have the other bedroom that's his. Hey, man, I ain't going for that, man. You know what it comes time to just go to sleep in that. I got to be up on that ass, man. Shoot, I'm at my woman in the house, man. I got to have her. Well, what if she's not healed all the way yet? She told you everything, but you're still ready to move forward, and you have willingly inherited the fact that she still needs therapy. She still needs to be by herself at times, not seven days a week, but sometimes she might be feeling a little down, maybe about the passing of her father, maybe how her mother never treated her. Maybe she just wants to be quiet and meditate to make herself a better mate for you. And that night she just wants to be by herself. Maybe she wants to be a little girl uh, and play music from when she grew up. Let her have a space. It's a lot better than divorce now, isn't it? See, we ride things until the wheels fall off. When it could have been saved. When we could have let the relationship breathe. What's one or two nights during the week if she chooses to, as you could also? Not to be in the next room cooped up under the covers on a phone call to some other person. No, you can talk on the phone, but not that kind of creep type call. You're not having sex. You're not creeping. But you're getting around each other to get to know each other. But it's no pressure. Because the minute he lays his hands on you, if he does, you walk. The minute she disrespects you over and over and you see that she's not trying to make an effort, you walk. So you're in this thing and you're happy because you have breathing room. In this modern day society, it's almost like a ball and chain because number one, it shouldn't be that way. And the reason why it is that way is because you jump into the bad boy too fast and you don't know each other. This way, it's no ball and chain. You take time to ease into it gradually. For the cooks and the chefs out here, when you make a nice soup, do you get all the ingredients in the big pot and dump it all in one time? No, you don't. You put that base stock in there first. And then you add the vegetables. And if you eat meat, you add little pieces of meat in there and you keep sipping until the broth tastes just nice. 
and there's way more broth than there is the actual ingredients of the soup. But you take your time and add in. You don't rush everything. You have a honeymoon night, and now you want to just have her swinging from the chandeliers. She might be on her period. She might have cramps. She might want to do the freaky deaky with you. And you may not be able to get it up. Then what? Take your time. What's the rush? There's no pressure to do all of this stuff overnight, hook, line, and sinker with a stranger you didn't even get the chance to know. If it takes two or three or four years like this to take your time to get to know the person without blurring your common senses with the sensual pleasures, yeah, we want that. It feels good. But let that be the driving motivation to set the foundation for a relationship that's going to last a lifetime. So one day you can be featured in Jet Magazine. How nice would that be? And give the advice in an unconventional way on how you eased into it. When you see a tight, tight parking spot, you don't pull up to the car that's ahead of you or going to be ahead of you next to it and just nail it the first way. You back in. Or you might have to come back out and back in a little more. I'm talking about a tight parking spot. This old scurve can drive that bus and park it like it's a Toyota. If you don't know already, I got skills. But not everybody does. You're not going to nail it the first time. You're not going to know a person in the first month, no matter how much they tell you about themselves. You have to be around them. Hence, the advantage of growing up in the same community as the person that you married. Like the good old days. See? But we don't have that advantage anymore. If I grew up in New York City, and you grew up in... Jackson, Mississippi, or somewhere on the outskirts of that, somewhere where the mailman had to take a boat to deliver your mail through the swamps past the alligators. We got a lot of things to match up on. We might have a basic interest in each other, but culturally, we need to settle the differences. You might be sensitive. I might joke about you coming from the backwoods. You might get mad at me and not say anything and harbor this for years. Look at him, old New Yorker. Think he better than somebody. All them damn New Yorkers from up north come down to the south and they think they better than somebody. And what you think her girlfriend's whispering into your ear or her ear because deep down they want you all to break up because they want you. That's how it works. People are devious. More so now than ever before. Trust me. If I really open up and talk, you will know. So now, you don't have the government involved. A year or two went by, maybe three. You've controlled your burning for all things sensual and sexual. You've answered all the questions. You've read all the books. And again, I spoke on this on another show where there is this book that I happen to run into by chance. I love to go to the old bookstores, Books A Million, right? Barnes & Noble, 
<laughs> when I was in America. And I would, I would go down aisles of things really that I wasn't interested in for that particular time. I might have been looking for a certain book. I might have been waiting for somebody that I was shopping with. And I'd say, oh, take your time. I'm going to go in Books a Million. I'm going to go in Barnes Noble. And I would look at the titles. I'd look at the book covers. And I saw this thick book. I said, boy, this book is thick. Why did they make it so thick? They should have made a couple of editions and put them together. It's a book on marriage. And the questions you must ask before getting married. Now, that wasn't the exact title. But that was pretty much it. I thought it was going to be some old corny book. I said, let me take a look at this thing and open it up. When I opened it up, that book was so fascinating. Even if you weren't looking to get married, that book was fascinating. I said, whoa. That book covered every single aspect of marriage and beyond. And it wasn't a book telling you what to do. It was a book where a couple had to sit down, not in one sitting, probably about a year, and asked questions, very frank questions of each other, and it covered every single ounce, every single aspect, every single perspective. I was really impressed. Just because of that alone, I just wanted to buy the book. It was well written, and in each chapter, there were questions that both had to answer. And by the time you got to the second chapter, if you weren't really sincere about marriage, you'd throw the book down and run away from the person where they never saw you again. That's how serious this book was. But it was also entertaining. I mean, not to get lewd. They went there, okay? They asked the spit or swallow question in a very dignified way. I was cracking up how they did it. I don't remember how they did, but it was just so, it hit me. I was like, whoa, come on, y'all. Y'all know what that is. They asked on the sexual level, because we're going to talk about the juicy stuff. Every single sexual act, if you like it, are you willing to do this to please your mate? This or that, that or this. I was like, whoa. I had to turn around. And some of the terms in there, one or two, I'm like, what is that? And I thought I was very knowledgeable in worldly carnal knowledge. I had to ask myself, I need to go and find a dictionary and find out what this thing is. But the main point was, is that it was very thorough in every aspect of married life. And how many of us do this? And spend years and years in captivity. Years and years as strangers laying in the same bed. Not fulfilling each other. And I don't mean just sex, but just the intimate conversations. Your dreams, your aspirations, your fears, your doubts. To have enough confidence in your mate. To be able to bring this to them so they can make it right. They can talk with you. They can boost you up. Because you're supposed to be a team. You're not supposed to be some type of uh, source of, 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 of resource to use them to live your life and 
to hell with them. I get my needs fulfilled. To hell with you. They do it with a smile on their face. And it's too common. I remember being in this church in North Carolina, passing through. Long story. And it was a church where it was pretty big. But it wasn't that big where most people didn't even know each other. They had a lot of family-type counseling sessions like where you can sit there in the church on different days, and it was open. They had couples-type stuff, singles-type stuff, not just get-togethers to meet somebody, but instructing people. And I really respected that because that's what a church should be, not just an endless barrage of the plate, offering plate being handed to you. And if you don't have change, they got an ATM in the back. What kind of place is that? But in those retreats, they would ask questions, hard questions. What happens if your man can't get it up anymore? Are you just ready to leave? Or can you find some other alternative way? And you'll see a brother, I ain't put my mouth on that. But then that's over with then. Something going to happen. Something going to break. Not that it's everything. We have to ask the uncomfortable questions. What happens if one of your family members disrespects me? Are you going to straighten them out? Are you going to sit there the other way and itch your head with a dumb smile on your face? Making that man lose faith in you. That you truly love and respect him. But you can't stand up for him. When he's wrong, he's wrong, sure. But these things add up over time. And you cannot allow toxic accumulations to build up in a relationship while you think doing one aspect makes up for it. No, when you mess up in a certain aspect, you need to deal with that one aspect. If your transmission's going bad, you don't take your car to the mechanic and get a tune-up on the engine. It's not doing nothing for the transmission. You got to deal with the transmission. What is wrong with you? We're the reason why these unions don't work. Stop pointing your finger. Because if you did enough investigation, you'd find out probably you shouldn't be involved with this joker at all, male or female. I'm saying male or female if you're a male and it's a female or if you're female or it's a male. I'm not talking nothing else. Like I said, I don't know nothing about that other stuff. Right? It's an energy thing. The man is made for a woman. When you boost your vehicle, you know. When you put them clips on the terminal, if it's the wrong one, what happens? It sparks up, letting you know, you better switch this thing up. You're not going to put it this way. It ain't going to work. To get this picture on the banner, I actually went on Google. And because I'm an American African living in Africa, I wanted to have hands on there that represented us. Right? So, I Googled it, I said, and I said African-American in the search because that's the way they list a lot of things. I say American-African. 
I'm Lance Skurve. I ain't Skurve Lance. The last name says what you are, African-American, African. Why do you do that? It's always African-American. Why, why, why are you changing it? <laughs> they always want to ask us questions. So when I Googled African-American marriages, when you do the search and you're looking for an image, you do the search, but you click the image button. And when you want a larger image, you don't just put African-American marriage. You put African-American marriage wallpaper. You put wallpaper behind it because wallpaper is generally known as a bigger image, which is usually 1,200 Or, or, yeah, 1,280 pixels across and 720 up and down. That's standard when you do these things. The image you're looking at, that's the pixel height and width. 1,280 by 720. Standard. Now, if you get an image that's bigger, you can shrink it down. When you get an image that's real small, like 300 pixels by 200, when you blow it up, it pixelates and looks fuzzy. That's neither here nor there. I thought I would throw that in. Somebody might want to know. But when I Googled the image of African-American marriage, why did I pull up them two women that just got married and they blasted all over the place? Why did I see two men kissing up? I was confused. I saw two men at the altar and a, and a, and a pastor, and they were all men standing up there. What the heck? You see, for us, marriage is something that they, or proper unions that last. Let's put it that way. Because that's really what marriage is supposed to be. A certain level of commitment that when you say you're married, that's a wrap because you're all in with somebody. But we say that, but we leave the door cracked for other things. Well, you know I'm married, girl, but uh, <laughs> we's are having problems. She don't care. She want to get with you anyway. She wants dessert, but she don't want to deal with your funky drawers with streaks in it to wash it on that Sunday morning. <laughs> she don't want to cook for you. She wants that little thing that you got there, and she want to bounce too. Huh? No commitment. So what I'm suggesting is that we invest our time to get to know the person. Not shacking up and we having sex. No, No sex at all. Your control, if you can control it, fine. If she walks around you scantily clad, well, you better be able to control that because the minute that you make an attempt, that's all bets off. Can you handle something like that? Well, if you can't, you can't handle a marriage. That's what I say. This is, this is my opinion, calling it an unconventional approach to marriage. Because if you can get to know the person and answer all those questions in that book that I told you about, and take your time. You'll stay together for a very long time. If you have things that you do together. If you have time that you spend together. Because you know them in-laws are funny. They don't know you're getting ready to do something. Call with a pseudo fake ass emergency. 
just to stop you from doing something that's going to bond you together. Because their stuff didn't work out lots of times. You have stepchildren. They may not, not like that new man. In the time you spend with them, we're not talking little toddlers. We're talking about grown-ass kids not liking you. But they have a grip on the mind of your woman who you're working it out with to get married because they don't want the loss of her energy and her resources because they really are doing it, making it on their own, but they want that help. And if you take her away, we won't have that safety net. But we don't like that Negro anyway. See? So you have all types of energies pulling at you, and you better address those things early on before there's any real marriage commitment as far as anything on paper, which I'm not against, but not too fast. Don't think you can take a polluted, toxic situation and cover it up with a ring and a piece of paper, a license from downtown at the courthouse, and everything going to be all right. No. Do you get a nasty cut and put a Band-Aid on it? Some will say, yeah, well, you a fool if you do because you better clean that cut out. You don't put the Band-Aid on top of the wound and you don't clean it out. You got to clean it out. You got to bear your soul. Tell them what happened to you when you were younger. Tell them what you don't like in the bedroom. Tell them what you're not going to tolerate. Tell them what you need. You got to give them what they want. You got to give them what they need. Fight the power. <laughs> the power of ignorance. The power of being neglectful to talk about the things that you know is the elephant in the room. If you're not willing to go all out early on, talking about, oh, it'll be all right. Love will conquer all. And you'll be the first one whining a year or two from now because you didn't get down to the nitty-gritty. Take your time. Get to know each other. Eventually, after you spend time with no sex now, sign the contract, big boy. <laughs> like Mike Tyson said. <laughs> sign the contract. <laughs> you can live with each other. It is rough out here. But you're not trying to jumpstart the ability to indulge in the things that married people indulge in. You better have separate rooms. If you can handle it, you can sleep together. But you're not having sex. What would the Holy Rollers say about that? No, it got to be the way the Lord said it. Did the Lord say that when you have all these cultures all over the planet that do all kinds of things? It's what you make it. Life is what you make it. It's what you make it. But like I was saying about that church, the pastor said one Sunday, and this was a sizable church. It was it was a step below a mega church. It really was. It was like when you go to Walmart and you go to the big one. 
This was that small neighborhood Walmart. It still was big and had a lot of stuff, but it wasn't as big as a big Walmart. But it was still a Walmart. So he said, I want you to be honest with me. If you're having problems in a major level in your marriage, I want you all to step up. And from what I could see visually, wouldn't you know that the only people who stayed sitting down were people that appeared to be around 70 or 75 years old and older. Everybody else, 90% of the church got up and went to the front. Now, they didn't all do it at the same time. You know when some people had problems. They didn't jump too fast, but they were damn sure looking around to see who else was going up. And not all ran up at the same time. Some waited two minutes so they could get they could be in the back of the crowd and shoot back to their seat, undetected by most. But they were honest, though. But 90% of the church? 90%? Could have been 92. It wasn't 89, I'll tell you that much. That was such a revelation to me. That even the so-called God-fearing holy rollers, I'm not going to say that to make fun of them, but that was the Bible belt. and You know what it is. It's all about the church. Morning, noon, and night. That really was an eye-opener. So why can't we do something different that's not breaking divine laws? That's not... You, and you're going to do it anyway now if you want to do it. I know that. You're going to do it. But we listen to everything Lansker said, but you know, <laughs> you got in the bed with me, baby. That was all she wrote. And you wanted it too. Well, you're sealing off something before you get to know the person. You're bonding with something that is traumatized and incomplete and unhealed as you are. I'm not throwing off on any one person. You unhealed too. I'm not throwing off anybody in the chat room here. I'm just speaking the way I speak. Because we're all a work in progress that way. The person who's putting up the money to build that skyscraper, that high rise, if you don't tell him how long it's going to take, he might get pissed in six months when it's not finished. But if you tell him it's going to take a year and a half, he can accept that. He can go on his way. And be happy when you actually finish the project ahead of time. So when we're healing and we say to our mate, listen, in this area, I got some big issues. And this is what I'm going to need from you. But you have to admit it. We know what's going on inside. But we always want to dress it up. And make it seem to be reduced, not as bad. Oh, that just happened. It doesn't bother me. Let me tell you something. There are things that can happen to you in your childhood, in your younger years. Damn, they're guaranteed that it's still going to bother you as you get older. You can reduce it. You can banish it. But you ain't going to forget it depending on how deep the cut is. You can have a six-inch cut, a thin little slice on your forearm. 
that goes half a millimeter deep. You don't need stitches for that. <laughs> you need a long-ass Band-Aid. But you can have a cut that's not six inches long, but one inch long and an inch deep down to the white meat. Don't think you're going to put a Band-Aid on that. You need to get it stitched up. So our trauma is a thing where we cannot compare it evenly. There's no scale for trauma. Like when you at the fish market buying fish, oh, that's two and a half pounds. It's going to be 18.50. Here's your ticket. Oh, oh, oh. That's 27 pounds of, of, of whiting. Here's 10 pounds of salmon. The scales are not even. Your trauma can't even go on the same scale as mine. Because mine is different. Let's get some therapy together so we can bring it out and talk about it. You need to be there. If you're a dude who's struggling with the fact that some uncle or some man, when you were young, made you perform oral sex on him. I'm talking raw now. And you know you're a man. You know you're upright, but that thing haunts you. And here's the part where things happen to our men because we know what a man is and he's hetero and he's not, he's not with the homo business, but that thing that bothered you from when you were a child, secretly it turns you on. But you don't want it to. Hence the struggle. That never happened to me, but it did with an older cousin in the 30s when I was five years old. So why is it? Should it come as a surprise of the acts that I like to perform on a woman? We go back to our imprint and our wiring. The problem with me is that I didn't resist it. When I got older, I rolled with it. <laughs> There's a lot of happy, saved and sanctified church ladies that when I was 13 or 14 always had me come over to lift some things in their house that were heavy. And all I did was just end up lifting dresses. But that's another story. We don't talk, man. Whatever you got inside of you in your heart that is difficult to speak about. There's somebody out there with something even worse, more intense, a deeper cut, a heavier trauma. The only way to deal with it is talk about it and share it. Let your mate know as she deals with her trauma and you help her with hers when she's honest, she can help you. You have to do it now. It's not for her to do it for you as far as healing, but she can be there in a loving manner to aid you as you should be there for her. This is the period where you're together and you're not having sex. You're cleaning house. When a person sells a house, they don't sell the house as is where all their junk that's in there. They got to get that stuff out. They got to paint the walls and make sure the plumbing and electric is up to par before they sell that house and hand you over the keys after you sign the papers. 
but we can help each other clean each other's house knowing that we're preparing for something new to move in to our union called marriage. And if you don't want to do that part of it, make the commitment. You buy things together, you do it as business partners. But you need your own space. I said another room next to the bedroom on both sides, one for you and one for her. It doesn't have to be that. It could be a part of the house that is designated for her that she can go to and spend time and visit herself and clean house and you have yours. Neither one of you violate and barge open the door. You knock. And you don't wait there. If they don't say anything, then you know, make sure they're not dead now. <laughs> okay? Let them know if you want to talk to them. Sweetheart, I know you have your private time. Um... It's your earliest convenience. I'd like to speak to you and tell them what it's all about. Don't just, I'd like to speak to you. And they don't know. They're wondering now. You're taking them out of their healing. It's about um, taking the cat to the vet tomorrow. Okay, honey. And it's cool. Communication. Yo, what's wrong with communication? Why are we bottling up things inside of ourselves and walking around? in a state of emotional constipation, as we most, most of us are. We haven't taken an emotional number two in years. I'll tell you one thing. Whenever we have a funeral service of one of our loved ones, usually we get a glimpse of what's inside because you can't hold it in and it all comes out. And that goes between family, family members, and that's a different topic. I never liked you. Daddy loved you more than he loved me. Remember when you were 12 years old and I was nine? All that bottled up stuff you got inside of you and you want to marry and join on to somebody else. You better clean that stuff up with your family too. They're going to think you crazy. Oh, baby, that was 30 years ago when you were 12 years old. What you talking about that now? You should have got over that. That's not why I'm not going to her wedding because she never apologized. She might have forgot about it. <laughs> We got to clean house. We have to be around each other to get to know each other. We have to find ourselves in situations that are a little more intimate than the conventional. But you have to have control. That's the problem with us. We don't have control because we want everything so soon. If there's a cake that you're making that has to be in the oven for 45 minutes or, or an hour, say an hour, it's your favorite cake. No other cake tastes better than this cake that you're baking. But it's supposed to be in there for an hour. But you take it out after seven minutes? It might taste sweet because there's sugar in there, but it's not going to be the cake that you want. It's too early. People meet each other at clubs, and when they go out of the club, they go and have sex. And it could have been a union that would have worked. But they both had no control. And cashed in too soon. It activated certain processes that are unseen but very much real. Creating soul ties. You ever boil something in the kitchen or cook something or fry something and the wall gets moist with the water? How are you going to take some tape and want to tape up a picture on the wall and there's water on the wall? It ain't going to stick. 
How are you going to join two people together? And they got these hangups and things that they got to get over, and they act right. And they hold it in the first few times you deal with them. Then they bust out and snap on you when you step on one of their wounds that you didn't know was there. This is why you need to spend time together with this person in a non-sexual way. I keep stressing it. Well, scary, if you know ain't nobody going to do that, well, then you don't want something to be to your 90s and they're asking you in Jet Magazine, what's the secret to a long marriage? You won't be that. You'll be another divorce statistic or you'll be in something miserable, grinning and bearing and unfulfilled. So I creep. Yeah, yeah, I keep it on the down low. You'll be creeping. And even that, you're dealing with somebody with hangups and traumas and idiosyncrasies. You can't get away from it. You can't get away. Again, no sex. Talking, asking each other questions, getting therapy and help and healing for your traumas and wounds. Taking your time. You both are adults. If you move in together, everything is 50-50. If you move in together, no sex. If you move in together, you better have space in that place of your own that she respects and he respects. So when you go to your Christian mama and she says, oh, I can't condone it because over there shacking up. Wait a second. We haven't had sex. You know she ain't going to believe you because she knew you were a dirty dog when you was a teenager with all them girlfriends. She, she thinks she know you, but you can get mature and you can... You can change. If you're not capable of this, don't do it. Don't try. Don't be in there struggling, calling your friend, damn, man. Man, that thing looked good. Them pretty legs, man. Oh, my God. You don't need to be there. You're not ready. Because what happens if she's sick after several years of being in the marriage? And she's not able to accommodate your needs. Are you just going to go run out? What happens if she puts on weight or loses weight and doesn't look like the same person that you married? Did you marry them because of how they look? Or did you marry them for those intangible amenities, those intangible qualities? Man, I ain't trying to think about those intangible qualities when I'm hitting that thing. I know you're not, but it's good to have that. Because of that, beauty in the backside fails. Or, or fades, you have something that you can hold on to that is very valuable. Women hit their physical peak, and you can look at them physically and say, my God, how do you look like that? You go to the gym? No, I just take care of myself and eat good and exercise a little bit around the yard. Looking like that. They didn't look like that six months before because it didn't hit that peak. There's a certain time when a woman just, no matter what, it's just doom. Mentally, spiritually, and physically just ripe. Like that ripe mango or that ripe hand of bananas that I ate the whole hand today off the tree in the backyard. Non-GMO, good stuff. How about being a non-GMO mate? to your maiden, not manipulated by the media, 
making you think that they have to do certain things or look a certain way? Why can't you take them as they are and love them as they are? Don't come with a ready-made template of what you want out of them. I'm not talking about saying that you can't say what your needs are because I would contradict myself because I said you need to state that. But don't come with no weirdo energy. State what you need. State what you have to give and what you have to offer to give her peace of mind. But the first day that you agree to be intimate, don't run up in there. <laughs> I, I, I got this blonde wig I want you to wear, right? <laughs> and I want you to wear, wear this lipstick, right? But I want you to smear it all around the mouth, right? Now. I just went all over the place. <laughs> and I want you to wear this miniskirt. And, and you got to do it this way. And, and, and when I come, you, <laughs> I want you to pull the bar, bra, show me part of the nipple. <laughs> I come harder with Yo, what kind of, you did this before. It ain't about her. <laughs> It should be about what y'all do together. If you have a preference for something, yeah, you stated. I kind of like this and kind of like that. But you got the whole script already written out? You've been doing this. It's cool that you know what you like. But damn, does she have a say-so in it? I don't know. <laughs> Find the contract, big boy. <laughs> you know that's Mike Tyson. <laughs> Unbelievable. But, you know, I feel like doing a part two on this because I didn't really get all my points out, and it is getting kind of late over here. But you see, I've been keeping up, right? I promise to do at least two a day, maybe three. But um, I promise to keep up with something real. I'm not trying to be a, a news reporter. You have enough people out there that do that. If I talk about something in current events, it's because I see a point in speaking about it. Not sitting here, well, today on the last girl, you've seen the story 10, 20 million times already. If we talk about it, it's because there's a, something that hasn't been covered that we can learn from. That's why it's so easy for me to get here and talk to you regular. You don't have to rehearse. When you're in a supermarket checkout line and you happen to have a conversation with the person ahead of you or behind you, you don't bust out and say when they start talking about, oh, the price of avocados have gone up so high. What do you think? Is there any way? I don't see any in your, you have a, where do you get your avocados from? Well, hold on. Let me uh, pull out the script that I have made for the person who's in the line with me. No. You talk normal. I'm talking normal. I didn't realize I was, I was on here for an hour and 27 minutes so far. I don't know what I said. I just said what I said. <laughs> yes. It was, um, it's something. Divorce is on the rise. There's a reason for that. You know, I'm just looking up and down the chat room. I'm missing comments too, meaning that I'm scrolling up. I can't see them all, read them all, and talk at the same time. Gifty, look what she said. Oftentimes, two married people send their representatives to the wedding also, but then it's the real people who show up in the marriage. You're right about that, Sister Gifty. Wow. Wow. Oh, yeah, she made the correction. So two strangers are who show up in the marriage. Exactly. Exactly. Brother Kwame said, the positive of marriage is trust and commitment, and the negative of marriage is envy and competition. Oh, that's going to be tomorrow's topic. 
I don't even want to mess it up now by starting it out. Sign the contract, big boy. <laughs> That's in my head today. <laughs> I can't get it out of my head. I'm stupid that way. I like this podcast, man. There's something wrong with him. Maybe he fell and hit his head as a kid. I headbutted too many people. I got a big head. Don't you realize that? A big two-gallon head I got? If I had a head, it wouldn't even look right. It'd be sitting up too high. <laughs> if I had a low fade, a low Caesar, I have to tell people that's an afro. Because <laughs> there's so much head up under there. But, yeah. You know, you have to know who you are. You're right, Gifty. You have to know. If you don't know who you are, how are you going to bring yourself to somebody and you don't know who you are? What kind of mess is that? That's like you going to a cookout and they say, bring this, bring this. You get a bag of potato chips, don't even know what, and just throw it down on the table. Yo, that that ain't going to do. That's not enough. It's crazy. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed my little rant. But like I said, sex drives a lot of bad decisions. Take your time and get to know the person, be around them, be able to be physical with them, hug them, kiss them, lay down with them, feel the warmth of their body against yours and talk about what you plan in the future. If you don't have enough discipline to do that, you don't need to be married. For some, that's a bad situation to put a person in that has no control. Granted, then you don't need to move to the next levels. You're not breaking any rules. You're not creating any soul ties. In a sense, you are, but not really that other way. Because the act of coming together in sex, and you're not ready, that's creating problems. So don't go there. And be mature to say, you know what? We got this far, but... I kind of think we might not make it, sweetheart. What do you think? She may say, well, let's give it a little more time. Or she may tell you I was thinking the same thing, too. Are you sure? What's the reason? Let's talk about it. Better that than getting married. And now you bitter. People are whispering into his mind and his head and your head, and now you're bitter enemies. I think many would benefit if they think the way that I do as far as what I suggested in this video. But you got to keep sex out of it. You got to use this head on top. Even if she feels weak and, you know, tries to put you in a situation. <laughs> I'm not saying women are demonic or devilish, but, you know, and you fall victim and then she blames you. See what you did. But you walk in them little short terry cloth shorts with one side riding up higher than the other cheek and you drop something bent over. What you looking at, baby? No, 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 no. Don't do that. You know we ain't supposed to be going there. That's right. It's a structured thing as we move forward and you must allow the person to breathe. Be glad that you have them in, in your life ready to commit and have already committed, but not where you get everything as of yet. Because they have to heal too. And if it takes 10 years, so be it. Because how many people do you know are in marriages for 10 years and they end up divorcing anyway? 
at least you took a fair, good, clean shot. Sincerely, in a commitment already, I am committed to you and you're committed to me, but we're going to take this thing slow. We're going to have some benefits in this, not the benefits of sexuality. We want to make it where our love drives us, our respect for the attributes that you have in your heart, the integrity. Let that be the leading thing that attracts you. And when you have that, and you move forward in the marriage, if you want to do it on paper, if you don't want to do it, the main thing is that you're committed. And if you want the protection of the legalities, you can draw up your own papers, your own stipulation. But let the relationship breathe. Most people are in a so-called traditional marriage, which is comparable to driving a car on a cobblestone road where they don't have any shock absorbers. You're going to feel that all up in your coochie and your, your balls because there's no flexibility. There's no room to breathe. It's too rigid. Communication, space, respect, healing, the list goes on and on. And so on that note, I'm going to sign off. I don't want to go, but I promise when I wake up, I'll be back. And we'll talk about some more things along these lines. But we don't have to subscribe to the traditional way that it's done as long as we have control, as long as we're acting in all sincerity, in all transparency, to be open and honest. If the man, I'm talking to the sisters, can't give you his driver's license to be run, you're not a gold digger, but you need to have a social security number so you can run his credit. You need to get a health checkup. You need to be very frank about everything. Health-wise, financial, criminal record, credit, everything. Ain't no finding out when it's too late. I used to work with a young lady, got married to a man, seemed like everything was perfect when they sat there to go buy a car. Man, the amount of debt he was in, and it was just coming out of that printer. All the things he owed. She looked at him. They already got married. He couldn't believe it. You didn't tell me this. Oh, <laughs> you know, he hid nothing. You're the one who needs the vehicle more than anything else. I don't need it. I walk across the street to the job. The supermarket's around the corner. You're the one who have to go. So you better find out how you go. You know what I mean? It's creating unnecessary issues when you don't act in a transparent manner. I don't understand it. Anyway, family, I love you all very much. Thank you for coming through. You know, YouTube is playing with my algorithms and numbers and stuff. I don't let that stop me. I'm going to do what I do anyway. Out of 117,000 subscribers plus and dropping fast, it's usually when I check my analytics, I, they put out 15, 13 or 14, 15 notifications. What the heck is that? That's crazy. 
That's like when my second cousin had me come over her house. I think I was nine years old, eight years old, clean up all this stuff in the yard. She gave me a soda as payment. <laughs> my father was mad. She took advantage of me. It was a old, you know how the can swell up like it's going to bust? You try to sit it down and it falls over because the bottom is all round. Can of soda. An old diet Shasta. Shasta was nasty to me back in the 70s. And a diet Shasta at that. I looked at her. <laughs> anyway, you know I got stories upon stories upon stories. Thank the creator for the wonderful life that I've had. Even though I had challenges, bumps in the road. The best part is I learn from them, and that's what we need to do every day. In our conversation, share things that we can help others to learn, to grow, to be better. And sometimes we have to rehash old things we've been through and frame it differently so we can learn and grow and be better. But as long as we can, can grow and improve ourselves incrementally, just one iota in comparison to the day before, without any hindrance, then I think we're doing pretty good. Anyway, Lance Curve out. Much love to you all. Peace. And I'll see you in the morning.